Kingway, Fox, Peter, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, December 15th, 2022. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means we are live. So you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. And uh, I'll tell you what's going on up here in Vermont. We're on the eve of the storm of the century. That's right, 18 to 24 inches of snow coming in around 10 o'clock tonight, which is about when the show is going to end and continuing all day Friday and into Saturday. So I'm really psyched. I'm pumped. I'm so excited because there's nothing better than getting up in the morning and going out and feeling the nip of the cold air and spending hours on your driveway, go to work, spend hours at work doing it and come home and do it over again and then go to bed and get up the next day and do it all over again. It's great. It's so much fun. And I'm looking forward to it. So that's what's going on whoop, up here. Whoop, whoop. Sarcasm detected. Sarcasm detected. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's like all these people that are out there shoveling the sunshine. Well, I'll be shoveling the snow. And the best part about it, that it's supposed to be wet, heavy, slushy, icy snow, which means I can't use the snowblower. It's going to suck. But don't worry. I'll get through it. I'll be fine. Actually, Jim, it's going to blow. It's going to blow. It is not going to blow. It's not, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> it just gurgles off the edge. <laughs> you know, anyway. It's so weird that you would have snow in December like that. It is just bizarre, man. What are the odds? It is weird because usually we don't get – usually we don't get snow until like around New Year's or at least, you know, usually not in December, not this much anyways. It's it is odd. You're absolutely right. Usually we have a white Christmas. We might get a few inches if there's some snow falling on Christmas. You're like, great, a white Christmas. But normally we don't get 18 to 24 inches this early. That is weird. But I'll persevere. I've got toilet paper and I've got milk and I've got bread, so we're ready to go, and uh, which is awesome. But before we get too far, guys, I want to go around the table and introduce my truck spurts, and we'll start off today with our very own Charles. And Charles is out in Las Vegas enjoying the sunshine. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Well, it's a little cool. It's in the 50s, but the Tauntauns are tired. They're taking a nap. They're figuring they're not going to get much activity this season. Ah. Uh. 
They're, they're going to be hanging out over here. I'll tell you what. But well, at any rate, if we, that, ship the, if we need to ship them out to you, Jim, just let me know and I'll send them out to you. Send them up this way. Um, yeah, because we're having a little trouble adapting the speeders to the cold, so I don't know what we're going to do. Um, at any rate, and I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. <laughs> and uh, let's let's switch gears and go out to Portland. We don't have our trifecta tonight because the donut guy is eating donuts, so he's not with us tonight. But we do have a very own Paul. He is from Portland. How you doing tonight, Paul? Buddy, I'm doing great. I'm feeling uh, flexible and limber. I saw my chiropractor today for the first time in a long time, and wow, did she ever get my uh, transmission running correctly. I'm ready for whatever it may come my way at this point. I am renewed. Feeling good, buddy. Ready to shovel some snow? Yeah, I think I actually could now if I needed to. So, you know, if you have any left over out there in uh, the Green Mountain states, send some my way. I'll package it up and send it right out to you. Do, man. We like it out here. Us Vikings like it. Residing from Portland as well as our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing pretty good. I cannot say that we have 18 to 24 inches of snow coming, but I can say we got a hard frost last night, and uh, I'm regretting having not dis- disconnected my hose and sprinkler already. What? You know, I always, I always think it never freezes in Portland, and so I'm kind of lazy in the fall, and I don't even think about it. And then uh, I woke up this morning and went outside, and I was like, yep. That's going to be broken in the spring, for sure. Whoop. <laughs> wow. What do you got to do? Oh, reminds me of reminds me of my neighbors who decide they need to water their grass and their sidewalk at six in the morning. Oh. <laughs> nice walking on small sheets of ice. Oh no. Why yeah, are you walking in the ice? Because I don't want to walk in the ice. I walk. Wow. Well, anyways, uh, this is episode 505. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy Ghost in the Machine, which was last Thursday's episode. I haven't watched the one on that's on tonight called Mind Walk. I haven't watched that one yet. So we'll be talking about last week's episode, Ghost in the Machine. So that's going to be cool. We also have our convention calendar, our fan shout outs. And our fan scores for uh, last week's episode as well. And we have some Star Trek news for you guys and some Star Trek birthdays as always. So you definitely want to hang out. We're going to have a lot of fun and a lot to talk about. But first, we have a caller on the line. So let's start off the show with a caller. Good evening. Thank you for calling. What's your name and where are you calling from tonight? Kabla, my brothers. What's up, Ray? Hey, hey. We're What's getting going on, brother? The snow up here in Rutland. How much are you getting that, down that, in the it's, it's, it's not snowing the Bronx. Yeah, it's just raining right now. It's just raining, but it's freezing cold. I, I just walked in, and it's raining, it's freezing cold. And I should, and, 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 and we, we did have some snow like, like a couple of days ago, but it's just like, you know, just, it didn't last. Or no, the only thing was whatever, just the, uh, you know, the grass was all snow, grass. that's it. But I mean, but right now we have a rain right now. It's gonna be rain again tomorrow. But, but I mean, but you guys got 18, 20 inches of snow up there. Oh my God! Yeah, and you're not. You're just getting rain down in the city, huh? Just rain. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's raining, it's raining, but you know, it's, it's like it's, it's coming down hard, but it's not. It's like it's cold, but it's not. It's not like you know how um like sleet is, like you know, like freezing rain. But it's like you know, it's but you know, it's pouring down like crazy right now. So, so you know, thank God tomorrow's Friday. Thank God, I mean, I mean, thank God I got the weekends off. You know what I'm saying? And then, and, and then, and then, what's about Christmas? I had the week off for Christmas. We, you know, I work for the board of education. I work, I work for the schools. So you know what I'm saying? You know, you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So no kids. I'm not working. No kids. I'm not working. So more, I'm looking forward to that. And you know, I like. I mean, I, I mean, I hope. I mean, I hope it's snow during that week. We off. Because <laughs> trust me, believe me, I'm not trying to walk. I, I'm acting like that. I acting like that. Unless you know, unless the man trying to you know, know let the school close. But I gotta see what happens over here. For now, yeah, yeah. Well, usually it you don't get a lot of snow out in New York City. You might get a few nah, inches every really. once in a while. No, nah, not really. Not, not really. But except for that, um, I mean, remember that blizzard we had a couple of years back? That blizzard we had a couple of years ago in, 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 in November that came out from nowhere. Yep. Yo, that day was yo. That day, I, I, I'm gonna keep it short. That day was a nightmare for me. Because I, I work at about Fordham, right? And I I walk from Fordham to Baychester, man. That joint took me like six hours. I call, I mean, I called back a couple of buses here and there. And they kept stopping. And I had to walk the rest of the way. And that's like, yo, that was a nightmare. Cause it came out from nowhere. It was no warning. So I made home alright. I made home alright. And uh, and the next one day I went to work. I went to work late though. Cause I saw I, I told my boss, yo, God, listen, man. I, I came home. I left out of school at like five o'clock. I came home around like about about like midnight. And I said, yo, I'm going in late. Wait, that. <laughs> Wait, well, that don't worry, good. Ray. Don't worry because we're taking all the snow for you up here tonight. So you don't have anything to worry about. No snow uh, down I in appreciate. the... <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it, but I appreciate it. So listen, listen, I'm tuning in the show the rest of the night. You guys have a blessed night. I'll speak to you guys next week. And then, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to about the Star Talk Party. I saw, I've watched half of it, but not all of it yet. So mm-hmm. I'm going to watch the rest of tonight. So we'll see what happens. All right. right. Just try to stay warm, Ray. Stay out of the rain and keep uh, yourself warm. That's what I'm doing right now, my brother. I'm just, I just walking out about 20 minutes ago. I just get ready to take a shower and then do my laundry because I'm going to go, my whole clothes is wet up. So I'll I, I be, I, I be, I be home. I'm not going anywhere else. I already did have to do, um, you know what I'm saying, come from work. I'm good. Absolutely. Well, thanks for calling, Ray. Anytime, my buzz. You have a good night now, right? Take care. You too. Take care, man. All right, right, guys. Stay warm, man. Stay warm, guys. Yeah. Uh, Now, kapla. Kapla. Now, Jim. Kapla. Just just so the people listening understand the basic kind of like New York geography, which I feel like can get like confusing if you're not really from the area. Are you from the area of New York that they consider upstate or western New York? No, I, I originally am from, I'm from upstate New York originally. And where is Rutland considered to be? Is that an upstate or a western New York situation? Well, Rutland is in Vermont, so I, I'm actually part oh, of it's the Vermont. New England. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from the I'm New sorry. England was... states. Uh, Vermont is part of the New England states, but... Uh, yeah. If you okay. go what about sixty miles? Uh, now every like New Yorker listening to the show just went what? It's like 
I know. I'm sorry, dude. I'm just. Well, like, you know, what was this guy talking so, about here? I feel so embarrassed. I apologize to all you New Yorkers out there. My fault. My fault. It's like people who are uh, from the West Coast, and when I tell them that I'm from Illinois originally, they say, "Oh, the East Coast." And I'm like, "Oh God, oh jeez." <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, you know. I- it's the same thing when I went out, when we went out to California and we were hanging out in Hollywood and I wanted to go see a Dodgers game. And I was like, Oh, we're already in California. How freaking far can it be for Christ's sakes? We're in California now. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. (laughs) It's far. (laughs) I got lost in the lost hills, ran into a tip guy. It was a whole fiasco. I never got to the Dodgers game. Because, you know, oh, no. yeah, here in New York, if you're down in New York City and you want to head up to Buffalo, you can be, you can go from one end of the state to the other, oh, six to seven hours, depending on the traffic and the getting out of the city. It's not that far from one end to the other. But California is a, quite a bit longer than New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, uh, but, okay, Jim, I can travel from Vegas. Reno take eight hours and never have left the state. Wow. Amazing. So big. Wow. So big. So big. Just like California. San San Francisco down to Los Angeles. That's eight hours. That's still one state. Yeah, it only takes me what five hours to California from here, and but it takes me eighteen to get to LA. So yeah, <laughs> man, I just i I can't drive fifty five. That's that's you know, just can't do it. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it takes a few hours. You can drive right across the state of Vermont in a few hours. Boom, done. You blink, you miss it. But um, at any rate. <laughs> so much for our geography lesson for everybody. Hey guys, I find all your Star Trek news and all of our our past podcasts. There's over 600 podcasts available. And Eric, if fans wanted to go and listen to last week's show or last month's show, where could they find it? Well, we make it very easy, Jim. We provide a portal through the intranets uh, whereby you can access our information, and it's simply at trektalking.com. It's just that easy, trektalking.com. That's right. So, Paul, if I wanted to check out a really cool blog and find pictures of all these awesome Trek spurts and little bios, where would I go to find that information, Paul? Why, Jim, we've got one-stop shopping for you across all regions of the Gamma Quadrant, the Alpha Quadrant, the Delta Quadrant, whatever quadrant you want, baby. We got it at trektalking.com. What is it? Trektalking.com. Trektalking.com. Dot com. That's right. And uh, as of right now, we have over 120,318 downloads of Trek Talking, which is awesome. And guess what? Charles. If I wanted to have my name mentioned on a future fan shout-out like these awesome fans we're about to talk about, and I wanted instant access to the Trek Talking Facebook page, where could I find a link to take me right to it? Well, you could search on Facebook, or you could go to trektalking.com and click on the link that would send you directly to the page. 
Yes. So see that? Or TrekTalking.com has it all. Everything. Or I could just go to my Facebook page manager and click on the link and go straight there because it's one of my admin links. (laughs) If you're Charles. You you can do that, too. Or Jim or Eric. Facebook page manager? What is that? That's weird, Charles. Like, I feel like I can do the same thing, but I feel like there's a, a very small number of people who can do that. <laughs> yeah. I think the majority of the people uh, would go to trucktalking.com, and they would yeah, find absolutely. everything. Right there. Everything <laughs> yeah. is right there. So I just uh, call Eric because he knows everything. It's a lot simple. Eric knows also true. <laughs> also true. Yeah. So, hey, guys, Eric, what uh, what side of the guy's face in the 1128th episode of uh, Deep Space Nine did his mole, was it on the left side of his face or the right side of his face? And Eric will know. Well, it depends on your definition of side there, buddy. That's like yeah. that's the thing about that episode is that, you know, you just really have to understand the meta version. From that character's perspective, from, from their <laughs> side. Right. Oh, right side. Absolutely. Yeah. Right side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, sure. you know, there's a lot of minutiae. There are. We have there to are, but... we have to clarify though. It wasn't a mole. It was a gorge. There's a, there's a big uh, difference. Also true. Also true. Yeah. Big difference yeah. between moles and yeah. gorges. So well, that's true. That. That's, I mean, you have to go with the colloquial colloquialism or the uh, medical definition. So you know. Yes. So every week, guys, we pick twenty lucky listeners like you, and we give you an individual. Shout out on our fan shout out section. And if you'd like to be mentioned in a fan shout out, just go to trektalking.com, as we've said, and click on the link for Facebook. And when you get there, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper pinned right to the top of the page saying, Hey, Trekkies, where are y'all from? Just drop us a note and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you definitely don't want to miss the next show because you are going to be immortalized through all of eternity as not only a Star Trek fan, but a listener of Trek Talk. And so, Eric, you want to get us started this week? I absolutely do, and I would love to start with saying hello and sending out a big live long and prosper to Molly Wiedemann out there in Berlin, Germany. Thank you for supporting us right there from the center of Europe. Uh, I, I cannot wait to go to your city. I've never been there, but I've got big plans to do that. So, Molly... Thank you so much for listening to us all the way in Germany. Also saying hello this week, Christopher Andrew Hill, originally from Washington, which is actually, it sounds like it's up here, but no. We're talking about a city in the Tyne and Ware area of England. That's right. But now, apparently, lived 15 years in Wuhan, China. So we have an Englishman in China, Christopher Andrew Hill. Thank you so much for listening to us all the way from Wuhan, China. Thank you as well to Noel O'Callaghan, listening from Ireland, and sends us a couple of Irish flags. And I never, ever attempt an Irish accent because I am really, really terrible at it. But Noel, thank you so much for listening to us and supporting us all the way from Ireland. And uh, my final fan shout-out goes all the way back to Journey, saying hello to A.J. McTavish from Ireland, but actually from Aachen, Germany. Live long and prosper to you. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Buck Bonsai from Northern Indiana. 
Joe. Malka. Malakowski. Malak. Okay, thank you. From Boston. <clears throat> Top fan uh, Brock Blackstone from Nebraska. And top fan Robert Morgan Wooten from Arkansas. Jim, a.k.a. David, who's on your list? Yeah, we'd like to say Kaflata, Walter Gibson, who's listening to us in Georgia. That's where the devil went, you guys. He hung out down there with Charlie Daniels, and it didn't go too well for him. So thank you for listening to Walter Gibson in Georgia. We also want to say Kapla and live long and prosper to top fan Michael. Ah, I got to blow this one up because I can't read it. Apostolico. Apostolico. Yeah. Apostolico. 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 He's from Delaware, by the way, and he's a top fan, so. Delaware with an explanation point. I don't know what, what that's for, but I guess he's proud to be in Delaware. So thank you so much for listening. We also want to say Kapla to top fan Tony Tuwell, who's in Colorado. And last but not least, another top fan who's also from Colorado, except from Denver, Colorado, flashing a live long and prosper symbol. We want to say thank you and Kapla to Gabriel Steffens and Paul. You're wrapping up our list this week because David isn't with us, so who do you got? I got all kinds of folks, my friends, that are all scattered across the entire globe of ours, proving once again that Star Trek is a global phenomenon. First of all, I've got Peter Burns in Bonnie, Scotland, is uh, hoisting up the live long and prosper salute to us there. Peter, it is great to hear from you. Thanks for being a fan of the show and all things Trek. Uh, in somewhat warmer climes, we travel over to Brazil to Sibele Cardozo, who is also a fan of the Live Long and Prosper uh, hand sign there. So, Sibele, thank you so much for uh, reaching out and being a fan. It's great to hear from you. Closer to home here in the States in Aztec, New Mexico, it's a great big hello to fan Timothy J. Castillo in Aztec, New Mexico. And finally for me, Johnny Westlund, who's uh, saying hello to us from Sweden, from the magnificent area of Jävla in Sweden. Absolutely wonderful to hear from you. We got folks in Sweden, New Mexico, Brazil, and Scotland. Global Star Trek enthusiasm is what unites the planet and gives us hope. Let's pass it over to Jim to transition us into our next segment. That's right, guys. This is a fun part of the show. This is where we do our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys. Every week we do our Star Trek birthdays where... We uh, say happy birthday to members of our Star Trek family, but we always start off by remembering those who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim. Uh, tonight we have several members of our Star Trek community to remember. The very first is actor John Paragon, who played the act, uh, who played the character Thaddeus Bokar in the DS9 episode Prodigal Daughter. 
Um, Paragon, Paragon uh, also played Jumbie the Genie and voiced Terry the Pterodactyl in Pee-wee's Playhouse, which I think is kind of a fun connection between Star Trek and Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, he also was in many, many movies that actually starred the Mistress of the Night herself, Elvira, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, John Paragon, if you look at his face, you'll say, oh, yeah, that's the guy. I've seen him before, uh, for sure. Also starring in films like UHF, Echo Park, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, etc., uh, etc., et was in the Seinfeld Soup Nazi episode. So John Paragon, uh, we just lost him last year, 3rd of April, 2021, age 66 years old. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to actor John Paragon. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Clegg W. Hoyt, who portrayed Pitt Cairn in the TOS first pilot episode, The Cage. That's right, the one that we actually saw later, uh, not the very, very first one that we saw uh, on the screen. He actually made his feature film debut in an incredible role in the movie Mohawk and uh, appeared in the 1957 biopic A True Story of Jesse James with... Guess who? That's right, Jeffrey Hunter, also from The Cage. So uh, Jeffrey Hunter, who had a very short career, we just talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, crossing over with Clegg Hoyt before Star Trek. Uh, Clegg also starring in films uh, such as Al Capone, Johnny Cool, and he actually appeared in an uncredited role in The Heat of the Night in the 1967 movie. So happy birthday to Clegg W. Hoyt. Saying happy birthday and sending out remembrances this week also to Alexander Courage, uh, like a serious head hitter in the acting world. Uh, the Academy Award winning, or Academy Award nominated and Emmy Award winning composer, arranger, conductor, and orchestrator who wrote uh, several scores for Star Trek the original series, among them. Uh, the main theme. So, you know that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, he actually wrote that theme. And um, it's kind of an interesting story how he got into this. So, um, he actually was recommended by Jerry Goldsmith, who would later become the person who sort of became famous for the Next Generation theme. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith actually was the one who recommended Alexander Courage and uh, help him get into that uh, you know, situation where he could write that absolutely famous theme. Um, he scored that original theme. He was then rehired to score the second pilot, Where No Man Has Gone Before, which I think we're all pretty familiar with. Um, he also contributed scores to The Man Trap, The Naked Time, and Mud's Women. Um, and a, another little story that I just kind of wanted to share, because I feel like it, it sort of gets into the, the nitty-gritty of Star Trek, is that uh, during this time, um, Alexander Courage actually discovered that Gene Roddenberry had written unused lyrics to that Star Trek theme. And if you get the Michelle Nichols album, which I did not look up the name of, I, I probably should have done that, but uh, there's an album where she sings the words to that Star Trek theme. Um, Gene Roddenberry actually wrote those lyrics in order to get half the royalties for each episode off of that theme song. And so that actually resulted in a long feud between Alexander Courage and Gene Roddenberry. Uh, uh, 
and so actually Kurt stopped participating in the Star Trek uh, franchise as a result. Um, oh, and man, cool, I never heard this. Yeah, there's some really cool like quotes and just like some follow-up from Alexander Courage on, like, he tries to be very diplomatic about it in the end, and he's like, yeah, it's kind of no big deal, but in fact, Gene Roddenberry kind of making that grab for half the royalties um, based on kind of some idiosyncrasies in their contract with one another, an interesting story that I wanted to share. So, happy birthday to Alexander Courage, big heavy hitter. Like, who has not, like, heard that theme before, right, guys? Well, do you remember Everybody. the Star Wars like, thing? One of the most famous pieces of music <laughs> in all of entertainment. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, period. Like, period, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, Alexander Courage uh, lost back in 2008 at 88 years old. There it is. Thank you. Space. I mean, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. reprising that role in several DS9 episodes. Um, John Colicos was actually a Canadian actor, uh, as many people know. He was uh, he appeared in Errand of Mercy, was actually contracted or was hoping or had written into appearing in two other episodes, The Tribbles and The Day of the Dove, but scheduling conflicts made it impossible for him to appear in those two episodes. So uh, we only got one version of him back in the day, but then, of course, we get the DS9 version. Um, John Colicos had a career that spanned over five decades, and he appeared in over 100 film and television uh, projects along the way. But if you're kind of stepping outside that Star Trek realm, you probably recognize his face from the late 70s in Battlestar Galactica. That's right. He was the original Count Baltar uh, originally, you sort of renamed Gaius Baltar in the newer version, um, the guy who sold out humanity to the evil Cylons. So uh, if you don't know him from that, then I'm absolutely positive you remember him from the 80s because uh, in that afternoon time slot, he was known as Mikos Kassadin. Ka- uh, uh, who was a very evil guy constantly trying to destroy the uh, general hospital town of Port Charles. Uh, uh, drama to my mom's soaps. 
back in the day. So <laughs> John Colicos uh, would have had a birthday this week. We lost him way back in 2000, you guys, at age 71. So uh, he's been gone quite a while, but his legacy, of course, lives on. Happy birthday, John. We're also saying happy birthday to Joseph Bernard, uh, who was an actor who appeared as Tuck, original second episode Fold. Also made several guest appearances in television series such as Twilight and the Untouchables and Mission Popple. And uh, he actually, towards the end of his career, switched over to teaching. He taught acting at the Lee Strasberg Theater in Hollywood. So happy birthday to Joseph Bernard. Happy birthday as well to Ted Scott, who we lost back in 1999 at the ripe old age of 85 years old. He is in the Star Trek original series, third season episode, Plato's Stepchildren. Um, Ted also appeared in several episodes of Hawaii Five and uh, Quincy M.E. and the Church Family. So happy birthday to Ted Scott. Happy birthday as well to as far as I'm concerned, Mark. That's right. We lost her back in 2018, unfortunately, four years ago at age 65. Um, her Star Trek crossover is as playing the imposter Ardra in the Star Trek Federation four-season episode uh, The Bulls Do. She previously starred opposite Stephen Collins and Elizabeth Lindsay in the television series Tales of the Old Monkey. And I don't know if you guys remember that from 1983 or not, but as a kid, like personally, I freaking love that show. And I, I haven't seen it again to see if it stands up or not. But I just remember it as a moment in time watching that season of uh, television, Marta, uh, on that that show. What a great show. Um, and who knows why it was canceled. It probably wasn't as good as I remember, right? Because <laughs> I was pretty young. But uh, she also had this recurring role on Magnum P.I., which makes people her for recurring role on the Hardcastle and McCormick, A-Team, L.A. Law, uh, all over that 80s stuff. And then in the 2000s, she actually co-starred with Scott Bakula and Robert Beltran uh, in the romantic comedy Luminaries. So happy birthday to Marta Dubois. As well to Susan Caparito Wallingford Rosito, also known as Susie. She was a stunt woman and actress who played one of two transformed humans along with Cindy Sorson in the Star Trek second season episode Threshold. Uh, she originally received no credit for this work, uh, but she's known for several uh, acting and stunt roles. Uh, a lot of childhood actors when she was younger, horror films, uh, performing stunts in movies like Phantasm II and Leprechaun, and then did a bunch of television, Fantasy Island, Married with Children, uh, list goes on. Happy to Susan Rosito. And We'll finish our remembrances this week with uh, perhaps one of the heads we have in the Star Trek world. Um, there aren't too many sirs we have. There aren't too many people we uh, actually uh, have such a theater background. Arthur Christopher Orme Plummer. That's right. Christopher Plummer. Um, we just lost last year, you guys, February of 2021 at age 91 years old. He, of course, in Star Trek crosses over with uh, my, what I've come to think of as one of my favorite Star Trek movies, Star Trek's Discovered Country, playing 
the Klingon General Chang, a new kind of Klingon who uh, quotes Shakespeare and spins around in his chair. And uh, people think he's not much of a Klingon at all, but I say he's a cultured Klingon, so I like him quite a bit. Uh, he reprised this role. Trick us, do we not laugh? Trick us, do we not bleed? Wrong us. Shall we not revenge? Our revels now are ended, Kirk. Cry havoc! And let's put the dogs of war. I am constant as the northern star. Give real money if he'd shut up. To be or not to be. Yeah, and everybody knows that uh, Shakespeare is always best in the original Klingon, and Christopher Plummer is the one who actually taught that to us. Um, he had a career spanning over 60 years. It mostly dwells actually within the theater realm. Um, he actually earned two Tony Awards, but nominated seven times. Uh, he earned two Emmy Awards. He has an Academy Award and you know numerous other uh, uh, if you don't know him from Star Trek, you absolutely know him from way back in 1965, The Sound of Music, where he, of course, played uh, Captain Uh If you don't know him from there, perhaps you know him from way back when he de- debuted on Broadway in 1954 in the Starcross story. Um, you know, you follow his awards throughout the years. It's amazing. He had a little crossover with some other books, too, along the way. Uh, actually acted with René Abergenois in The Good Doctor at the Eugene O'Neill Theater and acted alongside Kelsey Grammer, which I think is kind of cool. If you really want to know what Christopher Plummer is all about, for goodness sake, go to his IMDb page or something and really get into it because it's way too for me to cover in this segment. So, Christopher Plummer, perhaps one of the heaviest hitters that we have in the Star Trek world as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I would like to take that opportunity to then pass the torch right along to Charles, who's going to hook us up with some birthdays of folks who are still with us. Okay, thank you, Eric. Let's start off with, I got a few good ones and a few people who've had a little bit of acting. Start off with Michael Nuri, who played Saran Arif in Star Trek episode The Forge. Has many roles from the mid-70s to now, including quite a few soap operas. Hilary Shepard Turner, also known as Hilary Turner, played Hoya in DS9's A Ship, and later played Lauren in DS9's episode Statistical Probabilities, and Chrysalis. She's got an interesting little bio. She actually was a member of the short-lived band American Girls. They were actually trying to do for a, I think it's a TV show, which never made it, but they had a couple of songs successful. They actually got an album. She also appeared in the video Meatloaf, I'd lie for you, and that's the truth. Why would I bring that one up? Oh, she might have gotten a chance to work with some stunt woman by the name of Spice Williams. 
who also was in that video. It's like, gee, didn't we talk about that video a few weeks ago, Jim? You you know that we did because Spice Williams played the best Klingon and the best Star Trek movie that yep. exists in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Right, Paul? And she, and she talked about that video. Next, I have Vijay Amartra. I'm not, not sure his name. Portrayed Captain Joel Randolph in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Interesting, he only did a few roles in Hollywood because he was too busy at the time playing tennis. He was a major tennis player, though we did get to see him in Octopussy. <clears throat> but a little interesting little side note on that, on that one. They won him an Octopussy, but he didn't have his SAG card. And a friend that wanted to get him an Octopussy said, oh, we need to get you a role somewhere. And they gave him a little guest starring role in a little, little TV show fast little TV show called Fantasy Island. He is one of three Star Trek actors born in India. Melissa Roxborough, who played Sal in Star Trek Beyond. Claudia Jert played the Krilla in Discoveries All In. And Danny Bowes played Chantal in Picard episode Absolute Candor. Paul, who's on your list? All right. Well, happy birthday, first of all. It goes out to actor George De La Pena, who played Lieutenant J.G. Solis in the next-gen episode, The Arsenal of Freedom, that we refer to frequently on this show. So, George... De La Pena, happy birthday to you. Hope you're having a great day. Super excited uh, to also extend uh, heartfelt uh, appreciation for this uh, next birthday celebrant, Stacey Abrams. Uh, yes, we're talking Stacey Abrams, who appeared as the president of United Earth in the Discovery episode, Coming Home. Of course, we know Stacey Abrams is an American politician, a voting rights activist who served in the Georgia House of Representatives to 2017, serving as minority leader, Yale Law School grad, and uh, frankly, uh, NAACP and Democratic icon. And if there was ever anybody who could unite the planet, I think it might be Stacey Abrams. Just... Hang in there, uh, Ms. Abrams. Uh, we love you because, uh, of course, you've been uh, a former guest of this show, and uh, we remember when you called in fondly. Uh, but uh, just because you don't win every election doesn't mean you should can stop running. So, uh, Ms. Abrams, keep running, and we'll keep cheering you on from over here in the uh, Alpha Quadrant. Happy birthday to actor uh, Yuri Z. Elvin, who played MACO Private M. Romero in four episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. And delighted to be able to wish a happy birthday to the phenomenal, buoyant, effervescent, iconic actress, 
Terry Garr, who played Roberta Lincoln in the classic original series episode and one of my all-time favorites, Assignment Earth. Now, I want to clarify a couple things about Terry Garr. Terry Garr is one of those people who have uh, experienced all kinds of uh, erroneous coverage of her life on the Internet. A lot of Internet sources have erroneously uh, put rumors up or hoaxes that Terry Garr has passed away. Some even very, very recently that she has. Um, she has been contending with multiple sclerosis for some time. But as of uh, the show date here, uh, Ms. Garr, I believe, is still with us. So she hasn't transferred over to Eric's list yet. So uh, don't always believe everything you read on the Internet. But, uh, of course, there is no doubt about uh, the absolutely enduring. I can't even begin to talk about how many great things that Terry Garr has done. Uh, for me, uh, nothing's ever going to top Young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks. <laughs> but you get up on rolling to hay? I mean, it's, you know, the greatest movies of all time. And science fiction fans remember her as beleaguered, long-suffering spouse Ronnie Neary in Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, absolutely phenomenal. It's just like unable to just deal with it, you know? It's just I'm just trying to raise my family here, and you're making – Mountains out of rash, mashed potatoes, Roy. She was great. And uh, in the terrific Sidney Pollock picture, Tootsie. Martin Scorsese's After Hours. I mean, it's just, she's been with some of the heavy hitters of all time Hollywood filmmaking. So it was Scorsese, Spielberg, I mean, you name it. So a wonderful, iconic person. I hope you are having a phenomenal birthday uh, this time of year, Terry Garr. And may you have many, many more. Happy birthday also to actress uh, Machin Amik, uh, who played the teenage form of the being known as Anya in the next-gen episode, The Dauphin. Um, we probably recall Majin Amik most famously for a litany of Twin Peaks roles uh, that she's played over the years in different uh, variations of that show and different movies uh, of that same uh, David Lynch uh, genre. It's not really a genre, frankly, and so many things that have uh, done, but Majin Amik, terrific uh, Actress, really, really engaging and uh, and cool. And finally, for me, uh, happy birthday to Brett Rickaby, who played uh, Yardrin Leck in the Enterprise episode Twilight. And that's my list. Uh, happy birthday to all of you! Fantastic December uh, birthdays. Some of the coolest people I know are born in the month of December. Jim, what you got? Well, I don't have a lot, but I do have some really good ones and the ultimate one at the end because I always save the Klingons for last. And Eric probably had one of the classic Klingons, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think I've got the ultimate Klingon on my The torchbearer, the current torchbearer, I would say. Unless you count count Discovery uh, Klingons, which I think uh, uh, Ken, uh, I'm losing his name right now, but you know who I'm talking about might be the torchbearer, but you're, yeah, well, I'm going to see who that is. But don't worry, we're getting there. First of all, we want to say happy birthday to Gil Ozari, who voiced the Ferengi pit boss in the Lower Decks episode, Hear All, Trust Nothing, and the Ferengi grave robber in The Stars at Night. So happy birthday to Gil. The next guy is near and dear to my heart, 
because dun, 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 he was in the best Star Trek movie ever, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. We want to say happy birthday to Rex Holman. But before he appeared in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, he appeared as Morgan Earp in Star Trek, the original series episode, Spectre of a Gun. And then in 1989, he would appear in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as John. He is the guy that Cybok meets at the very beginning of the film in the desert. Uh, and he's got the little gun, and he's drilling for water. And he's the first one that Cybok puts his little whammy on. Happy birthday to Rex Holman. So we want to say happy birthday to Howie Sego, who played Reva in the TNG episode, Loud as a Whisper. And if you guys don't remember that episode, he was deaf, and he had a trio of um, people that would interpret his emotions and, and translate them. And they got disintegrated. They got killed by some evil bad guy. And so he had to learn to communicate on his own. But what made it so interesting is that in real life, he really is deaf. So that was pretty cool. Um, we also want to say happy birthday to Sheldon Peters Wolfchild, who played Joe Fallinghawk in TNG's episode, Time's Arrow. And uh, now we get to some, some good ones here. Uh, we're not the Klingons yet, at least I don't think he ever played the Klingon. Uh, this, this, this lowly ensign served on Voyager for seven years and never got promoted. I think he was an ensign longer than Wesley Crusher. In fact, I think he's the longest tenured ensign in all of Star Trek history. Perhaps. One of the greatest injustices of all of Star Trek, my friend. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, we're talking about ensign Harry Kim of Star Trek Voyager, uh, played by the very awesome, very incredible Garrett Wong, who, by the way, was also a guest on this very podcast. So and that he was, is really he was cool. fun. He, he's got, he's like a, a little, got a little bit of a dark sense of humor and definitely has an edge to him. And I dug having him on the podcast. It was fun to have somebody who wasn't all like bubbles and happiness. <laughs> he definitely wasn't all bubbles and happiness. That's for no. sure. And <laughs> he, he, but, but that was he, fun. It was refreshing. I loved it. Yeah. He was good. And I told you guys, I always save the Klingons for last, and I did that tonight. That's because... I protest. I am not a merry man. That's right. I am not a merry man. And uh, if you're a Star Trek fan of of any type, um, I I hope you know who said that. Um, Yeah. Does does anybody have any guess? I mean, let me see. It wasn't wasn't Core. It wasn't Kang. Was it Laurel from Discovery? It wasn't Coloss. No. Was, was it Cyrano right. Jones? I think it was Cyrano Jones. It could have been Cyrano Jones. Jones. Harry Mudd, Jim. Was it Harry Mudd? Yeah, it was Harry Mudd. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I got to tell you, because of this guy, I got into Star Trek. When I saw him on the bridge, I was like, oh, my God, this Star Trek is the best Star Trek ever because there's the enemy of the Federation serving on the flagship of the Federation. Blew my mind, fell in love with him right away. In fact, I caused my very first cosplay was of him. And I went to a convention and 
This is back in the day when you couldn't, you know, we didn't have photo ops. Crap, I waited online, was the last one in line, just so that I could get a picture with him, ran across the road to the mall, to the 24-hour photo developed. This is how long ago this was. Got it developed overnight, picked it up the next day, and then went back. I waited online to have him sign the picture that I took the day before, just so that I could have a picture of me dressed up as Worf with Michael Dorn. Uh, so that was my Michael Dorn story. Uh, I, incredible. Uh, he portrayed Worf not only on TNG, but also on DS9 and four Star Trek films as well. He played his own, his own, I don't know, grandfather, I guess it might be. Um, I think it was. Yeah, in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He will be coming back on Star Trek Picard. I'm pretty, pretty psyched about that and just on a side note just on a side note the convention in, was in buffalo new york where i dressed up as wharf and i i was in the elevator and this lady's following us through the lobby she gets she gets on the elevator with me and the wife uh, it wasn't my wife at the time but gets on the elevator with us and i'm like uh this woman is like weird like she's stalking me She's following me. Now she's getting on the elevator with us. This is really weird. We get off the elevator. She gets off with us. She's walking behind us up to our room. And I was like, uh, uh, this, this is really weird. This isn't going to go over well. Finally, finally, she works up enough courage to talk to me. And she says to me, excuse me, um, are you that Star Trek guy? I said, excuse me? She says, You're that, are you that Star Trek guy, that, that wharf guy from Star Trek? I said, uh, no, um, you know, I just dressed up as him. And she says, no, you're that, that wharf guy. My husband loves you. And she pulls out a picture of Worf and has me sign it to her husband, Bob. So somewhere in Buffalo, there's a dude named Bob with a picture of Worf signed by me. Uh, only time someone ever asked me for an autograph in my life. And I was thrilled to give it to her. So that's two Wharf stories wrapped up into one. So there you have it. Anybody else have any Wharf stories? No, but that's a great one, no. Jim. I love that you got to sign as Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> I asked her. I said, what do you want me to sign? Because if I sign as me, or the husband's going to be like, who the hell is this guy? So uh, she oh, no, just sign it, Wharf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Mr. Dorn's attorney is prepping a uh, right. cease and desist order <laughs> papers, as we speak. Papers are being prepared. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I hope Bob is happy and he enjoys his picture. That was actually me, but that's that's okay. From the law was- firm of Kalis, Kalis, and Kalis. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh. right. <laughs> oh. All right, guys. Well, uh, that finishes up the first half of our show, and now we're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy Preludes, uh, Season 1, Episode 17. The crew uses the holodeck to simulate ways to try and warn the Dauntless of the living construct. And as we've been doing, uh, rather than doing sound bites, I kind of like this. Uh, I play Kate Mulgrew's, um, I don't know what you call it, um, a, a Prodigy Spot. And then after we do our, our uh fan scores, I'll play Vice Admiral Janeway's log, and then we'll get right into it. 
because a lot of people haven't heard those unless you're on Instagram. So I think it's pretty cool. So uh, here we are. This is uh, Captain, uh, not Captain Janeway. This is Kate Mulgrew's prodigy spiel for this episode. Greetings. I'm Kate Mulgrew, and I voice Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. This week's lesson is to take time when tackling a new and complicated problem. Life can throw difficult predicaments our way, and it's easy to feel overwhelmed. No matter what we try, we lose every time. In those moments, taking time to think through the issue and give ourselves space to solve the problem may be the best approach. Get some rest. What isn't present today might reveal itself tomorrow. When the crew of the Protostar gets stuck in a holodeck mystery in this week's episode... In stressful times like this, Jankum Pog knows just the solution. They find themselves running around looking for one clue after the next. Stand back and watch me play. It's only when they stop rushing that they start to work through what's really going on. All right, Eric. So, what what did the score did our fans give this week's episode? Uh, our fans, on a score of one to ten, uh, were kind of all over the place this week. Uh, one of our top fans, Nathan Kornhoff, said, "I felt this one was even worse than the last one. Two of what I feel were." filler episodes in a row is utter garbage. I didn't even become interested until the very end. I give this one a five, and that is being generous. So Nathan didn't think much of this one. Well, Justin S. Wing said 8.5. Take the malfunctioning holodeck trope and make it mean something to each individual character. Hmm. Interesting, Dustin. Dave Kosher said seven. It's a gorgeous show. Robert Davis gave it a nine. Love watching this with my niece and nephew. They love it. Blue Dr. Dietschy gave it an 8A. Oh, no. Gave it an 8. A super series. Nick Christensen said nine. Even though Trek has a long history of opposite captains, I was not expecting Hollow Janeway to be evil. I was so happy for this twist. Thanks, Nick. Uh, he said. He also said, "Prodigy is so good." Robert Kaiju Ford said, "A seven. Hollow Janeway is not a villain. She was unaware there was a hidden subroutine doing bad things. If anything, she's a victim." Chris Wolf gave it a six. Benoit Houd gave it a seven, and Will Ayuravi gave it an eight. I was surprised at just how great it was. The direction they took it was super fun. So, uh, wow, scatter plot uh, all over the map here. We have a fan score of a solid but not entirely stellar 7.5. So, uh, Charles, I would love to know more about uh, previous Star Trek episodes that might connect to this episode. Can you help me out? Oh, well, let's get some intro music. Well, I kind of was, oh, where do I go with this episode? And I decided to go up with an interesting little thing of, okay, how many times have we dealt with the holodeck, major and minor? 
<laughs> a couple so of sources. A couple of sources. <laughs> so my favorite memory alpha. And I found a good link in uh, Reddit. Star Trek. Some of these are direct. Some teams are indirect. TNG dealt with somewhere between 21 and 47 different incidences with the holodeck. Sometimes I think one link was somebody that uh, Picard hid in the holodeck trying to stay, hide from somebody. Or we've got big episodes like Ship in a Bottle. Uh, I think it's uh, the uh, – and we, we still have Paris. DS9 had six episodes in the holodeck, including, I believe, Bada Bing, Bada Boom, Great Heist, Voyager, somewhere between 24 and 66. They were a little unstepped into that one. Enterprise did the origin of the holodeck and one episode, the final episode, involved the holodeck. Yeah, let's forget that Discovery. one. We, yeah, we yeah. can forget that one, but the origin of the holodeck episode is relatively interesting. Like, it's not one of the best of Enterprise, but it's definitely worth watching. Discovery spent only one time in there. Lower Decks has been there seven times. And Prodigy, this was their sixth visit, including, I think, one of their good, really fun episodes was the Kobayashi Maru episode. But we've got a lot of stuff we've done in the holiday, especially TNG and Voyager. They spent a lot of time utilizing that as storylines. So why don't we talk about what happened this time in the holodeck? Absolutely. And I promised you guys Admiral Janeway's log. So here it is. (laughs) Vice Admiral Janeway's log for this week's episode. Vice Admiral's log. Stardate 61401.5. Error. Error. Cannot comply. No log recorded. Jeez, I wonder why that is. Why didn't Vice Admiral Janeway record a log? Hmm. I wonder. Something's wrong with Janeway. Hmm. So what do you say we (laughs) dive right into this episode? So um, this episode is titled after one of my favorite police albums. You guys remember (laughs) back in the 80s, a group called The Police. This guy Sting was in it, maybe. Ring a bell. Yeah. And actually played music videos. Yes, that was a thing. Uh, There was a couple of videos on MTV that rotated through their their video catalog rather frequently. One of them was spirits in the material world. And the other one was every little thing she does is magic. And they were both off of the police album by the name of ghost in the machine, which is the title of this week's episode. I love, I love that you connected this to the police, which I think is an amazing connection. And also the police, connected it to some very old psychological type stuff, right? So 
way back. That's what I was going to say. Is this phrase predates the police by by yeah. quite a long time. Yeah. It's basically yeah. So if we go back to 1949, a psychologist named Weil introduced that phrase uh, in a book called The Concept of the Mind, and it it kind of has to do with the idea of like the mind and the body operating on independent but parallel paths, um, which I think is kind of an interesting concept, and you should go and kind of look it up and, and read a little bit more about this concept. But um, I love the idea that, uh, at least in more of a modern context, and certainly in the cyberpunk world and that type of thing, Ghost in the Machine has become more synonymous with the advent of sentience related to technology, right? So Ghost in the Machine could be uh, an AI that becomes sentient or it could be, in this case, a holodeck program uh, that goes awry, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Well, so, there- so it's definitely it's definitely I love the police connection and also I love the 1940s like psychological connection. Well, there was an episode of the X Files entitled "Ghost in the Machine" and that's about an AI building, a building that's run by an AI that becomes intelligent and kills its creator to save itself. And Mulder and uh, Scully go to investigate. And uh, an interesting episode. If you haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, it actually, uh, we mentioned, uh, our good friend Nathan Kornhoff actually mentioned on chat the other day, too, that there's a very excellent anime film called Ghost in the Machine, which is all about. Um, Ghost in the Shell. Or Ghost in the Shell, sorry. <laughs> I said the wrong word. You're right, Paul. Ghost in the sorry. Shell. Who's, no, Can't no, help no. Myself. Thank you for correcting me. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Man, among many reasons. Uh, correcting my <laughs> inaccuracies is one of them. So yeah, no, Ghost in the Shell, uh, excellent movie, uh, also dealing with that kind of like idea of some sort of consciousness taking over, um, you know, a body uh, or otherwise living outside of its own plane of existence. So who wants to start us off? Charles, you want to start us off with Ghost in the Machine? Okay. Uh we get them trying to figure out I mean, it's can they sit there I mean, and deal with the pro with the uh, not protostar deal with Janeway's ship and Dauntless. each went each gauntless and each time they try dealing with trying to find a way to communicate with them they end up failing so they figure they're going to end the simulation and go to bed start seeing situations of questioning something's going strange. And we finally see a small creature that we find out is one of Rock Tog's simulations that we're in the still in the holodeck. And we end up going through a Huh, library and going through a mystery group and they try to bounce through solving trying to solve the different mysteries and they kind of realize the mysteries keep going on they link to another to another 
and every and all the and all of the holodeck simulations are rather tied in together. And they find out when they give up trying to solve the mystery that it was all just a holodeck, holodeck adventure trying to trying to be set up to create them to keep them busy. And in this case, I'm not going to call hologram, hologram Janeway a villain. I'm going to say it just she was just written that way. Somehow they've done some programming in there that if track that the crew is forced into an infinite loop to try keeping like, uh, on the trail. Like Jessica Rabbit, right? It's like, I'm not bad. Yep. I'm just drawn that way. Yep. Exactly. She's just programmed that way. So it was an interesting episode, but I think some of the scenes kind of went a little awry, a little long in spots. Some of it was, I think, a little more entertaining for the kids than the adults. And I think this week I'm going to agree with the fans on this one on their average and go with a 7.5. So, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm kind of close to close to where you're at, Charles, on this one with the fans as well. Um, this one didn't really do much for me. Um, it also uh, marked a, a bit of a you know historical placeholder for me because it's like this this uh, episode contained my first like actual cringing moment uh, watching Prodigy, which I have never had happen watching this show previously. But when Murph picks up the hat and the microphone and is suddenly a 40s Sinatra singer, crooner guy. What the hell is that? I mean, I'm just, I was just like, literally like I I could feel my, the fillings of my teeth wanted to leave the room. I mean, it was just, that was a really unfortunate moment. Um, I guess that was just the most cloyingly uh, awkward missing of the target let's just say um yeah i i uh, just kind of let's just best to just forget it and move on um a lot of stuff that was sort of you know done to be cute i mean painting the uh the tellerite biker gang and whatnot and then the there they are on the pirate ship it it, it just had a overall feel to it of being phoned in um, I know there's a big two-part finale coming in a couple weeks, and it just just sort of seemed like it was trying to serve the purpose of you know jury rigging a lot of uh, you know unnecessarily complex plot mechanics to get us there. All right, I don't really mm-hmm. feel it, it revealed a lot in terms of character for me or overall story. Um, I felt like it was kind of uh, you know, the wheels were just kind of spinning and I don't really feel that there was a whole lot of, uh, uh, of great moments to take. I also found, uh, for the first time I found zero super annoying, right? When he's like, you know, Oh, this is this wonderful mystery and it's called the skeleton key. And he's just kind of like, I just wanted to close the door on him, which I normally am. I love zero, but this time I was like, you, you need to shut up. It's just got to stop yep. talking. I mean, it was just like he was driving me a little nuts. So 
I don't know if it was the writer on this one. I mean, ultimately, who else do you blame, right? You kind of got to blame the writer um, on here. But I know uh, shows like this are written by a writer's room, right? So there's a lot of chefs. And sometimes ones that just don't quite make it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I kind of was relating to uh, Jenkin Pog because he was just super testy and annoyed for a lot of this episode. I'm like, kind of right there with you, dude, where it's just like, what is this crap? <laughs> I kind of feel you, buddy. So, I mean, yeah, um, I, I would just say for me, it's a forgettable episode. Um, better to uh, use the time to uh, send a kudos out to the people at uh, – Prodigy, because I believe they won at least one Emmy for design uh, this week uh, that I think is worth celebrating, because I saw on Instagram a lot of uh, celebrating there and uh, at the uh, at the proceedings and the awards uh, celebration. So I know they got at least one Emmy uh, this week. I'm not sure about more, but uh, really super talented group of people. Um, it's really tough when you're doing a television series to have every single episode shine. Right, because there's, there's no matter what it is, there's way more content being demanded of you than there's ever time to shepherd high quality of. And these guys do a spectacular job. So if this one for me is just a little less than you know uh, perfect, uh, I'm super happy to just uh, concentrate on the show as a whole. And uh, I, I have a hunch when it comes time to deliver the, the finale of the season that all cylinders will be firing. So for me, I, I'm happy to give it a six. I think that's about appropriate for my rating on here. Certainly not the show's best work, um, but, uh, but, you know, entertaining for what it was. Um, but ultimately for me, a little, a little forgettable. So, you know, that, that's it. Excited for the next week, though. I mean, I'm sure in the next couple of days I'll be watching the new episode, and I'm sure I'll be digging it. So uh, that's me. Uh, should I pass it to Eric? Are you feeling like jumping in, buddy? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, you know, I can't disagree too much with Charles and Paul on this one. Uh, I do feel like, like the vibe that I sort of got off this one was that it was almost like an escape room. Right, there was a goal that they had to achieve. They had to do it together. Um, they had to kind of like bring their own skills together to do that. I don't think it was too complicated or too deep or or that sort of thing. So I can absolutely see justification of a you know a six rating <laughs> or so. Um, uh, what? do I think was good about this? Um, you know, I was less bothered than Paul by the the transformation of Murph into a um, lounge singer. Uh, to me, there was just kind of this, like, almost like flow of a weird story that you had to follow with this episode. And given that kids are likely to... You know, or I, I guess I'll say more likely to want to go along with a story that maybe feels a, a little disjointed or maybe where characters, like, act out of character or do things that they're not necessarily uh, used to doing. Um, I'm okay with an episode like this showing up in Prodigy. I'll be interested to see how Murph develops as a character because I kind of feel like, um, you know, unless you – unless you sort of suspend your disbelief and believe that Murph was out of character in this episode, now you have to believe that there's much more depth to Murph 
than we previously thought, which I think is actually fairly interesting. Like, who is this new iteration, and where is he coming from, and does he have something to contribute to the crew that, you know, is, wasn't previously understood? So, um, you know, I wasn't too bothered by his uh, his, his transformation <laughs> into a loud singer, and I thought it was kind of fun that they did a little black and white section, you know. I, if nothing else, Prodigy is a way to introduce younger audiences into concepts of uh, Star Trek. And so the fact that they kind of took a holodeck episode and made a bunch of weird stuff happen during the holodeck episode makes sense to me, and I'm kind of okay with it. So um, without belaboring it too much, I will say that I will score this one a little bit higher than my compatriots and a little bit higher than the fans. Let's go, but but Anna and I'm okay with decimals. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with like a seven point eight. It feels like better than a seven point five to me, but it's not quite an eight. So I don't know. What do you think, Jim? Well, I gotta say I'm right there with Nate. Uh, you know, two clunkers. In a row, uh, it's going to happen, okay? Um, the whole holodeck trope, uh, like Paul said, I, I just, it just it felt done before, and it didn't add anything to anything. I mean, you could skip this episode and miss nothing. Uh, so, I, yeah, I was pretty bored with it. But there's always a but, 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 and but again. Uh, I'm going to raise my score a full point just because of the revelation at the end that Janeway was a bad guy. I never saw yeah, that coming. It's not a bad ever, thing. Ever, it's not a bad thing. Ever did I see yeah. that coming at all? That she, that she had been programmed to to bring them to the to, to uh, bring them to the Federation to destroy the Federation with the construct. I never saw that coming. And for that point, it's that saved the episode for me because I was really going to, I mean, until the end, I was like, wow. So, Jim, Jim, can we talk about that a little bit? So I feel like this is kind of a big thing, right, because we so far have always known Janeway as a positive influence on our Star Trek community. And even Admiral Janeway, even though she's gotten just a little bit – hunty, I'll say, like a little bit like a hunter, you know, trying to track down what's going on with the Protostar. A couple episodes ago, she kind of realized what was going on, uh, and, you know, there's kids involved and this sort of thing. But I'm curious what you think about this revelation of her as the program Janeway, as, well, uh, as evil. I actually think it's kind of brilliant, but I, I want to talk about it more. I wanted to ask Aaron Walkey about that when we had him on the show. And he, he said he'd be more than happy to come back on and talk with us when Prodigy wrapped up, which is what, three weeks from now? So um, I will reach out to him and have him back on the show because one of the questions I wanted to ask him but didn't get a chance to was how come the hologram Janeway is written in such a different way than the actual Janeway. They're like yeah. two completely different characters. 
And now I think we have an answer for that because yep. the hologram Janeway has been um, altered, has been messed with, and turned into something other than what it was meant to be. Um, but so also would... this – but remember, like back when we are actually first introduced to this Janeway back in the day, like she is actually based on a previous version of Janeway. Like she's not – She's based on uh, man, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's logs or something, but she's she's actually based on not the current day Janeway, but a Janeway that has all of the knowledge of of our actual Janeway, but without the the sort of um, attitude, I guess, emotional baggage. Is that what I'm trying to say? Something like that. Well, she doesn't have experience of. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah making her so a, a so a different Janeway. So a different Janeway. And we we actually kind of see her go through a transformation during the season too, because she at one point kind of looks like she's ready to hunt down these people, and we get an aggressive Janeway. But I think the reason we get that aggressive Janeway is that there's a a derelict. Chakotay involved, right? And she feels very protective of him and feels like she needs to go after him. And it, it isn't until just, I think, the, the episode just previous to this one that she sort of realizes that the kids are in charge of the protostar. And so it's a whole different scenario from what she thought. It's not like bad guys. It's kids who don't know any better. And if you remember, uh, I'm assuming she's been captured uh, by uh, what was the defiler? What was um, the diviner the and diviner. the terrifier? Vindicator. In, yes. Vindicator. Yeah. Captured by them. Um, so we don't know where she actually is, which is why her log was blank because she's been captured by them. So um, I'm assuming she's going to have some revelation in tonight's episode, uh, and and somehow trying to meet up with them, but forget about that. My whole point was making her a villain, making her character uh, not be what we thought was brilliant. And for that reason, I was with Nate and I was going to give this episode a five because I just wasn't into it at all. But the Janeway twist made me raise my score from a five to a six, because in my opinion, that saved the entire episode was that that twist at the end because now the crew now the crew uh, lost their their anchor the, the the one person that they trusted and counted on to guide them and give them advice they cannot trust anymore and so to me that yeah. was a twist and jim that's actually just like really quickly a topic that i want to cover because so star trek prodigy is supposed to be a kid-friendly show, right? And there have been many uh, instances along the way where I feel like kids' trust has in their characters has been betrayed during this series. And, and Janeway kind of like uh, morphing into a bad guy is the, the sort of uh, ultimate expression of that. And I'm, I'm curious... Like, we always talk about what makes 
Star Trek, Star Trek. And we often talk about the the morality play of it, you know, like it teaches you a lesson or it, it, it asks an interesting question that doesn't really have an answer that makes you think introspectively about it. So does does the twist of Janeway being, quote, a bad guy, hologram Janeway, does that have a Star Trek bent to it? That, like, can it possibly go in a direction that, that gives us a Star Trek-y-ness <laughs> in the end? Well, you know what I'm saying? This Discovery did it with Lorca. Yeah, it's true, but that was also a twist a twist upon a twist, so there. So I guess we need to wait for the twist. Yeah, we got to wait and see what happens. My I, thought, I thought to, just it was broken. What, you know, for what you're saying, man, is I, I feel like okay, what's been what's been revealed to be the bad guy, right? Right. The hologram, right? Not yeah. Vice Admiral Janeway herself. And to me, the message is: trust people, don't trust machines, Not don't trust constructs, yeah. don't trust institutions. Right, because they yeah. can be manipulated. So it's just to me, I am feel super confident that at the end of the season, Vice Admiral Janeway, the living human being, is not going to join Eric's infamous list of evil admirals. I don't see that happening. Right, uh, but I do think that they'll. You know, I mean, a machine is what you put into it. Right. I mean, I mean, if if there's been a corruption to the hologram, I'm sure it can be uncorrupted and redeemed. I mean, to me, that that's what I expect to see from this show is redemption. So I think it's just it's saying, you know, okay, a machine, just remember, it can only be, it, it's a wonderful thing, but every tool can be used for, for evil. So be careful with the machines and who's putting their stuff into them and who those people are. So that's what I got from it. I, I, I think that it's not like that their trust when someone has been betrayed. I think that they're just going to learn a lesson about, you know, the fact that humans are more loyal than machines and more trustworthy. I think that's hopefully and the lesson that, that's being sketched out. I don't know. That's how I see it. Our, our fan score from our Facebook fans was 7.5. And uh, our score for our hosts here was uh, 6.8. So uh, we came in lower than our fans for the first time. What did so, you give it, Eric? Uh, I gave it a six, uh, 7.8 is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And of course, we yeah. don't have David, so. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I was fascinating. Yeah. 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 Very strange. So that that wraps up our Ghost in the Machine prodigy discussion, and now it's time for. What do you say? Are you ready to get us started on our convention calendar, Eric? You better believe it. We are going to head directly to the Midwest first. That's right. West Burlington, Iowa has something going on. QuadCon Burlington 2023, February 11th of next year at the Westland Mall in West Burlington, Iowa. Enjoy, you guys. That sounds like a lot of fun. The Long Beach Comic Expo. 
is the same weekend, February 11th to the 12th, at the Long Beach Convention Center in Long Beach, California. And right here locally, the following weekend, February 17th to the 19th, we're talking about San Expo Portland at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland, Oregon. Jim, what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, well, I think we're. I think Paul's going to jump in here. Oh yeah, Paul. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I just have a little bit of a time crunch because I got to go back to a wormhole in a second here. But uh, all kinds of good stuff. Again, uh, real super excited about this first one here. March third through March fifth is the Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center in the United Arab Emirates, the Middle East Film and Comic Con 2023. That's going to be spectacular. Spectacular. That's one of the biggest exhibition places in that entire Middle East. And uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, folks in that neck of the woods over there in the, the Middle Eastern countries, are they ever movie and TV fans? Like, there is no tomorrow. So I haven't seen a full guest list yet, but that's going to be unbelievable. Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. It's the Middle Eastern Film and Comic Con. Absolutely amazing. It's going to be an enthusiastic crowd. Close at home in Little Arkansas, it's not just another horror con, 2023, March 4th, at the Holiday Inn, Little Rock Airport Conference Center in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then for me, my last one here is the Sunrise Comic Con in Sunrise, Florida, aptly named, coincidentally, at the Sunrise Civic Center, March 4th, 2023. That's all I've got. I'll pass it over to my friend Charles. All right. Well, I guess we can cover a few of them we missed. Uh, let's start off with quad. Uh, no, nope. Never mind. I see we did. Uh, Jim's next. No. Yep, I'm, I'm next. We. Have, I'm going to be next here uh, with uh, Fan Expo Vancouver, February 18th through the 20th at the Vancouver Convention Center, Vancouver, British Columbia, in Canada. Uh, next up, we have the Hero Hype Miami. February 25th at the Miami Airport Convention Center in sunny Miami, Florida. I bet they're not getting 18 to 24 inches of snow down there like we're getting up nope. here. No, no, no. And no, last I've been not getting least, a lot of sunshine. <laughs> lots of sunshine, that's right. Last on my list, we have Lexington Con, February 26th at the Embassy Suites by Hilton in Lexington, Coldstream in Lexington, Kentucky, and Charles. Take us home with our convention calendar. Okay. Sorry, folks, for all the confusion. This is what you have when you have live notes going on. Let's start off with uh, Peoria Con, March 4th through 5th. Exposition Gardens in Peoria, Illinois. wonder if Eric's ever been over there. We got the Alamo Hero Con, March 11th and 12th. As the Shirt Civic Center, Shirts, Texas. And we can finish off with Fantastic Con Toledo, March 11th and 12th at the Glass City Center, Toledo, Ohio. Computer News. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. 
All right, guys. So this next story uh, is literally hot off the presses, and I literally just added it to the show notes like like an hour or two before showtime. So, uh, and this is a big one, I think, and this is something we'll do every week until he's finished. So, Charles, why don't you let the fans know what we're talking about? Okay, well, I'm not sure if it's going to be a weekly thing or a daily thing, but I actually didn't notice this yesterday. Sir Patrick Stewart joins TikTok during the height of the COVID pandemic by reading Shakespeare's sonics on Instagram on his Facebook page. The 82-year-old social media with and star of Star Trek Next Generation and Star Trek Picard has joined TikTok and is kicking things off in grand literary style. Sir Patrick induced, in, introduced himself with, Hi, well, I'm joining TikTok, and I thought, thought I should celebrate with the 12 days of Christmas. Sitting in front of a crackling fire, he began to read Charles, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, starting with the bookmatic first sentence. Marley was dead to begin with. Stuart returned to leave the final season of Star Trek Picard on February 16, 2023 on Paramount Plus in the U.S. and in other countries. I think Jim might have a soundbite. Hello, Jim. Or maybe not. We lost him. You lost me? <laughs> Am I gone? There we go. <laughs> You're here. I'm back? Yeah, if you guys I missed did. it, it was pretty easy to miss. So I found it, and I ripped it for you guys. So here it is, Sir Patrick Stewart's first reading of The Christmas Carol um, from TikTok. Hi. Well, I am joining TikTok, and I thought I should celebrate it with the 12 days of Christmas. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, the chief mourner, Ebenezer Scrooge, signed it. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it possibly be otherwise? Scrooge and Marley have been partners for I don't know how many years. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red and his thin lips blue. He carried his own low temperature about with him. He iced his office in the dog days, and he didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. There you have it. And uh, I'm not sure if it's, if it's going to be daily or not, maybe weekly, um, but I just wanted to share that with you guys because I thought that was really cool. 
way, 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 way back in the day, 1991, uh, my wife and I went down to see Patrick Stewart do the one-man show of The Christmas Carol off-Broadway where he played all 58 characters himself, and that was incredibly awesome. The man is just a jewel. If you haven't seen it, there is a version of The Christmas Story starring Christmas Carol, starring Patrick Stewart, which you can probably find maybe on Lifetime or A&E. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. It's incredibly awesome. Um, Eric, what have you got for us? Well, I've got a great story about Ronnie Cox uh, talking about Jellicoe's enduring legacy, legacy in Star Trek Prodigy and in The Next Generation. Uh, in the October of this past month at New York Comic Con, the big mid-season announcement for, New York, uh, uh, for Star Trek Prodigy was the return of Ronnie Cox as Edward Jellicoe. His no-nonsense Captain Jellicoe in the classic Star Trek The Next Generation two-part episode, Chain of Command, is still remembered to this day. Thirty years later, Ronnie Cox is voicing Admiral Jellicoe, Starfleet's commander-in-chief, and Vice Admiral Janeway's boss on Star Trek Prodigy. Ronnie Cox said, quote, he's very competent and knows what he's doing and a bit of an authoritarian in that he sort of gets an idea of how he thinks should be done and really doesn't have much tolerance for anyone going against that. So, therefore, again, if you just listen to what he's saying and follow through on what he's doing, and look at the logic of what he's doing, you will realize <laughs> that he's right. They either hate him or think he's the greatest captain that ever was. So if you go back and look at what he did, he achieved a great deal of things there. Jellico got Troy to start wearing a Starfleet uniform. Jellico gets a bunch of beef pork for making her put on a uniform, but she asked for that, and she got a lot more stuff after that. One of the things that was different about Chain of Command is the original producers didn't like internal conflict among the characters. That robbed them dramatically of conflict among characters. And when Jellico came in, they were able to institute that. So his sort of beef with Riker brought a new dimension to the show. New episodes of Prodigy debut on Thursdays exclusively on Paramount in the U.S., and on Fridays in Latin America, Australia, and the UK. The series will air later in the year in South Korea, Germany, Italy, France, Australia, uh, Austria, and Germany. So, Jim, I know your question is going to be, was Jellico on my nice or naughty admirals list? <laughs> yes. This, and, this is the and, yeah, and, and to me, Jellicoe is one of those admirals that falls right on that line. But if I was to give it a bias, I would say that he falls a little bit on the nice list. Now, this is not with respect to his personality because there's no question that his command style is pretty unique and some people will find it refreshing and some people like Picard and Riker in particular find it uh, abhorrent, right? He's just like, he's like, who are you? <laughs> and why are you telling me to do that? But I will say that in the right context, I actually think Jellicoe could be a pretty sweet captain 
or a pretty sweet admiral. So I don't really have a problem with him. He falls just slightly into my nice list versus my naughty list. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, think, yeah. yeah. He's 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 a he's like many of our evil you know quote evil admirals. He is sort of like um, driven by the times in which he lives, and so Jellico in Next Generation is actually forced to come on board the Enterprise and take command from probably one of the most accomplished Starfleet captains ever to live in Jean-Luc Picard. And so the one, you know, people watch that episode and they think, oh, Jellico comes in and he comes in swinging hard and he's arrogant and this and that. But think about how hard it is for Jellico to actually come in and take command of the Federation's flagship from one of the best captains in Starfleet. As far as I'm concerned, he actually pivots pretty well and puts his own personal skills uh, to work as best as he can. And it doesn't necessarily fit the crew of the Enterprise, but, you know, he does as best as he can, and uh, the the greats are actually able to adapt to their crew, which I don't think Jellico is. So, like he's he's like an eight point five admiral. He's not a ten admiral for sure. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair. And uh, Charles, what do you got for us? What's what's going on in the world? Okay. Well, Eric finishes story off by talking about when Project's going to be in other countries. Well, let's talk about that subject. More Paramount Plus European launches bring new Star Trek to France, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. European expansion of Paramount Plus wrapped up Thursday by launching in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and bringing new original Star Trek series. The streaming series also launched in France last Friday. To celebrate the latest European launch, there was a big event in Berlin, and Strange New World's Anson Mount was there. Paramount Plus and these new markets bring with it the same three Star Trek series, Strange New World, Discovery, and Prodigy. In addition, all live-action legacy shows are now available. The original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. There's also a selection of Star Trek feature films with a specific list varying by country. Lower Decks and Ricard remains exclusively in Amazon Prime Video in these markets. Paramount Plus is available in France on ParamountPlus.fr and in Germany, Switzerland, and, Param- and Austria, ParamountPlus.de and via mobile devices and smart TVs. Its price is seven. Eric knows currency better than I do. Seven euros or seven? Yeah, sorry, euros. Seven ninety-nine euros. Yep. Or CHF twelve after a seven-day trial period. Paramount Plus will also launch on the Sky platforms in Germany and Austria on December eighth. Sky subscribers with Sky Cinema will have access to Paramount Plus content at no additional cost and the Paramount Plus app will launch on Sky Q. In French-speaking Switzerland, Paramount Plus will be exclusively distributed via Canal Plus as part of the offering of Canal Plus family. Canal Plus cinema series and Canal Plus for 
her tail. With the latest launches, Paramount Plus is available in the biggest markets covering over half the total population of Europe. For the rest of the content, Paramount Global has partnered with Comcast on a new series called Sky Showtime. Sky Showtime, a new so service. Star so Trek it sounds is like ready. Yeah. Yeah, more uh, of our European getting... listeners actually have a chance to watch now. Yeah, yep, I think we need to get some more fans out there as they're able to finally see these shows live for themselves. Yeah. Jim, it's, it's... I think you want to talk about I think Jim yeah. wants to talk about Wharf again. <laughs> yeah, what what a coincidence that I got his birthday and this story. I wonder how that <laughs> happened. Surprise. <laughs> wow, what a shock that would be, huh? <laughs> so Star Trek Picard Season 3, a well-aged wharf, reunites with his old captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Star Trek Picard's final season looks like it will be quite the homecoming, and it never hurts to have a little extra security at these things. TV Line has an exclusive sneak peek at Michael Dorn reprising his next-generation role as Worf. The Enterprise's Klingon Chief of Security Officer in Season 3 of the Paramount Plus series. In the photo, Worf comes face-to-face once again with his former captain, Jean-Luc Picard. And we see that the years have turned his hair and goatee a bright white. But he still looks ready to take on one more mission. He's wearing a traditional Klingon garb and carrying a new sword called a Curleth. So I guess I'm going to have to get a Curleth now put away my ballot <laughs> so people can touch my curling. <laughs> um, which was designed by Trek visual effects guru Dan Curry, who also created the Klingon Batleth Blade. Season 3 of Picard finds Jean-Luc assembling his old Enterprise pals as he faces a new threat from Amanda Plummer's villainous Vatic. It's funny that we had Christopher Plummer in, yep. in the birthday this week, mm-hmm. and here we have his daughter, Amanda. That's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Who has to speak with Jean-Luc and intends to exact revenge with her new warship, the Shrike. In addition to Dorne, LeVar Burton and Gates McFadden return as Jory LaForge and Dr. Beverly Crusher, joining fellow TNG alumni Jonathan Frakes as Riker and Marina Sirtis as Troy. This may not be the wharf we remember, though. And if a card teaser released last month, he tells Riker, you should know now that I prefer pacifism to combat. Worf, is that really you? Star Trek Picard's third and final season premieres Thursday, February 16th on Paramount Plus. So let's talk about this. There were a lot, I mean a lot of fans that immediately were turned off and didn't want it. nothing to do with it because Worf had gray hair and Klingons <laughs> don't have gray hair. To this, I immediately responded by sending out all the pictures I could find of Cor Kang and Koloth from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You couldn't get any grayer than that. So Klingons do get gray hair. So let's put that to rest. Somebody else uh, said... So do Q's. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, somebody else seemed to be upset at the fact that uh, Worf said he was a pacifist and that they're destroying canon by doing that. Uh, Excuse me, I had to straighten these people out as well. 
There was an episode of TNG called Firstborn, where Alexander comes back in time to save Worf's life because when Alexander grew up, he followed the path of his mother, was not a warrior, and instead was a uh, a lawyer, a lawgiver. And uh, Worf comes to the defense of Alexander on the floor of the Klingon Council and is struck down and killed. So, you know, I I don't see how Worf you know, deciding that, well, maybe, maybe uh, pacifism, you know, does have a place. Is, is that far off? I don't think. But, 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 the trailer does show him using the Kurt lift. So we definitely will see Worf in action. And in fact, if I remember the trailer correctly, there is a scene of him beating the crap out of Rafi. And he says something like, oh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with Worf being, being having gray hair. Um, the uniform. Now, they said he's wearing classic Klingon garb, but that uniform is nothing like I've seen any other Klingon wear. And he is wearing a Starfleet emblem as well, which kind of like, okay. And his... And his um, well, his, and, uh, Tim, I'll just say, like, let's just, let's just clarify. You say nothing like any Klingon you've ever seen, but in fact, he does have the sash. He does I was have, just going like, to mention the, the thing, yeah, the thing that makes it not Klingon that you've seen before is that it's all the same color. That's about it. Great. Yeah, well, right. it's not armor. It's more, I would say it's closer to a Romulan uh, uniform than a Klingon No, uniform. but this is, no, 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 no. This is very similar to what Kor wore in the DS9 episodes that he was involved in. Like, if you look back at his uniform, it was not armor necessarily. It had this kind of like, and you're talking about the accentuated, like, shoulder lines kind of sticking out and that sort of thing. So, to me, this feels like a Klingon uniform. Um, I think think what feels less Klingon to me is the Curless. Like, it's a freaking sword. Uh, Like, the whole thing about the Batleth is that it's, it's this cool thing that's not you know, doesn't exist in uh, in 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 uh, in the myth of uh, planet Earth. So I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with his uniform, but his weapon, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm a little lukewarm on that. Well, admit it, Eric. You could admit it that you know you did enjoy holding my batlet. Um, I wielded your batlet. I did not hold or touch your bat. Yes. Yes, and uh, it's just something about the batlet in your hands. It just feels right, doesn't no, it? No, I it have just... to tell you that the the foam batlet, like it, it, it's admittedly foam, but man, that thing has some nice weight and it's fun to swing it around. No question. It, yes, it, it it just feels right in your hand. So yeah, I'll have to see how how the the new weapon works. But uh, I have a feeling that we are going to see Worf kicking some serious butt in Picard. Um, even well, though he prefers pacifism. And I just want to propose a counterpoint to the argument that Worf looks uncharacteristic of typical Klingons. I mean, I agree with you, Jim, first and foremost, that our uh, our Dahar masters in DS9 absolutely show up with gray hair. But, but Worf shows up with white hair, man. He looks like a badass. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he looks totally awesome for Picard. Like, He's got a cool uniform, 
He's got a cool weapon strapped to his back. He's got cool white hair and his nice dark skin and his cool, like, um, forehead ridge and whatnot. Like, honestly, I think, I, it, to me, new Picard Wharf is the uh, Admiral Vance of Picard, you know? He's got that, like, silvered, like, um, look of somebody who has lots of experience and way more knowledge than he needs to have. Well, they did tell us early on that Worf was doing something different during the Dominion War, uh, that he wasn't a captain of a starship, but he was serving in another way. So uh, mm. we will find out what that was, what he was doing. Um, so, and he's still he's still a member of Starfleet because he still has the Starfleet communicator. So yeah, and it's um, that uh, that. Picard style well, uh, communicator that we've seen before, which is cool. Yep. Picard has really cool. Picard has communicator, and he's retired Starfleet. Well, he's a he's an uh, he's an admiral. Oh, he was no. When we first see him uh, at the winery, he was retired. He came back. Well, right, he came back he and had, was an admiral. Right, but he still had his communicator that he used even when he was not an admiral. And he's an ambassador now, if I remember correctly. I think that's an ambassador emblem that he... We'll get more detail on that on Star Trek Picard Season 3. Yep. Yeah, remember when he goes to uh, Starfleet in in that season, he wears that visitor... Uh, thing, which is like yeah. a little sideways emblem that is not a regular communication badge. So it's going to be interesting. Yep. But I, I was thrilled to see Worf, of course, and I'm looking forward to see my uh, all of them, actually. So I'm thrilled about it. I cannot wait. So uh, before we run out of time, though, I want to let you guys know that there is going to be uh, well, four weeks. How many weeks, Charles, are we going to be without Star Trek? Uh, it's going to be a few. I think it's like three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Uh, In, we won't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One, two, three. Picard starts on the 16th. Yes. One, two, three. We're going to have six shows because our sixth show will be the start of Picard. We'll probably do a Picard special the 16th. But we're going to have six weeks of shows without any Star Trek episodes active. So what we've decided to do for you guys is because we had so much Star Trek, we added a Monday show. What we're going to do for the, for those six weeks is we're gonna we're not gonna have that Monday show anymore. Uh, instead, we're gonna just add that content to Thursday because we're not gonna have any new Star Trek to talk about. But we do have tons of new Star Trek to talk about, just not live action Star Trek. Mostly Comic Corner because there are literally a half a dozen comic books right now that we have to cover. Easily, half a dozen. At least. Yeah. At least. Yeah. At least. So, yeah. So, we have a new Deep Space Nine one coming out as well. So, we have quite a 
comic books to cover. So we're going to shift from live action to comic books on Thursday night, and we're going to give the Monday night show a rest for a little while, just to, just to let you guys know what's going on. So I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to uh, Paul for hanging out with us tonight. Of course, I want to say kapla to Ray and uh, hope that Ray stays warm and dry down there in the Bronx, Ray. Take care of yourself. And I want to say thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. Always a pleasure. Thank you, gents. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and trek talking with us as well. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Sometime I'm going to find out what Ray does for the school system. I'm curious. Maybe next time, next time he calls, we can ask him and, uh, I hope David uh, enjoyed his donuts tonight and that uh, he'll be able to be back with us again next Thursday. So next Thursday, we're going to be talking about the Prodigy episode, which is on tonight, which I think is called Mind Walk. We're going to be talking about that one next Thursday as well. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and you know, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. And everybody, please be good to each other and stay safe. Um, I have to go and get some rest because I have a lot of snow to play with in the morning. I'm so excited. (laughs) I just, I can't wait. I'm thrilled. I can't even tell you how excited I am. Get up at five o'clock in the morning and go out and feel that crisp air hitting my face. Oh, it's going to be be great. It's great. Like Tony the Tiger says, it's great. So anyways, guys, please be good to each other. Stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.